Josh gave me this book when he was in my presence. <laughs> and he said, you need to read this book. It feels like it's kin to us, and it's a fun read, and it reads really easy. The name of the book is Ask Iwata, edited by Hobonichi. And this is a book It's called Words of Wisdom from Satoru Iwata, Nintendo's legendary CEO. Yeah, so let's uh, talk about this a little bit and riff on it and just see where the conversation takes us, huh, Brian? Let's launch out onto the loop and discuss Ask Iwata or uh, things we got from a cool book today on Curiosity Continuum. everybody this is josh and this is brian welcome to the podcast or curiosity continuum curiosity continuum is an ever-growing collection of content designed to ignite your creative talents and power up your critical thinking skills master your world by learning the essentials needed to thrive in this century we share conversations that explore examine and reframe practical topics that help you learn something new apply what you already know in a new way in that constantly changing world be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and want to dive deeper, be sure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting us at curiositycontinuum.com. And you can see all the other stuff we're doing there. Thanks for tuning in and let's start the conversation. All right, Brian. So yeah, I you kind of alluded to this or you didn't allude to it. You actually said it. I, I gave you it. this book or let you borrow this book because, you know, $8 <laughs> I could never spend again. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, this book, Ask Awada, which I read, and I read it, I think I read it in like two days. It was just such an, a kind of a fun, engrossing book to read. But it was like little uh, snippets of wisdom. It wasn't really a book, I don't think. I think it was more like a collection of things he had said and yes. just some of the things he's, he's done. And after his passing, they kind of put this all this stuff together. And so it made kind of, I think actually, believe it or not, if I remember the story right, it was like as... He knew he was dying, so it was like he was getting these collection of stuff together, and they was like handing it off to the other guy, you know, to oh, kind of put it to put it together in a book. Yeah. And he's just was like trying to like leave an imprint of something that other people would find useful, you know, in the future. See, I love that. And with um, this book, what's interesting? So this is translated from Japanese, and this is the English version. I don't know if there's other languages available for it. Um, but it's I, called yeah, Ask Iwata. I, I think there's a few other languages available. I know if you read Japanese, it's available. It was available years ago, like three, yeah. year, like three years ago or something like that. So, and it's actually on online, and they have links in the book for it. Now, Nintendo has a near and dear place in my heart, and it always will. In fact, like my children borrow mini T-shirts from my closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my son is just a little bit taller than me, so at some point he'll probably not be able to wear my T-shirts. But my daughter wears them to bed. <laughs> as sleep shirts and everything. This Nintendo Entertainment System t-shirt that I have, it just has the picture of like the system and the zapper and the controller. That is reserved and it's actually by my suit jackets because <laughs> like if I ever do something cool and I'm talking about it, that's my like my uh, do not disturb your section go, of my t-shirt Your go-to your go-to shirt. Totally. This was the gift uh that I got as a young boy when I opened up that box and I saw Nintendo. Man, I was thrilled i was super thrilled and i spent many many hours of my life playing it now what's interesting is that when i read about this guy so i didn't actually know any of the leadership at nintendo josh has actually been in, in the loop way more than i have in this reading this guy's 
with the way he thinks, and he was a programmer, so he came up through the programming ranks and yep. became the CEO of Nintendo. And they mentioned other folks in that are that are uh, near and dear. Miyamoto is another guy I mentioned, created Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda. And to hear this guy's recounting of how those games came to be and how they work together, man, I'm just I just lit up. I'm going, this is so fun because it's really how Josh and I are doing our stuff right now is in our professional life and, and things. And it makes me wonder if that imprint got almost got imprinted to a generation to, who played those games. I think it did. And, and honestly, I think that we didn't even know it was happening. And that's the beauty of it. Like we didn't know we were like being not inundated, but like trained to, th- to th- not even trained, but like just exposed to this way of thinking, this kind of like exploration this thing like you can just try it because why not what's the worst that can happen you fail at it oh okay well then i guess i'll have to do something else i mean that's kind of the whole spirit of nintendo really and the way that iwata son actually kind of like goes through went through his tenure at nintendo yeah he started off as a programmer worked his way up one day becomes a ceo i mean what a dream thing right yeah <laughs> i mean and he makes friends with you know, Miyamoto and all these other guys that are just like basically legends, you know, like they created Mario Brothers or created yeah. Zelda. And when you then when you start getting into the stories, I mean, here they don't really have a lot of the stories, but like Miyamoto, for example, like the Legend of Zelda came about because those were like when he was in the woods as a kid. Those were like the visions he kind of like envisioned himself with, with a stick, you know? Yeah. Like having a sword yeah. and all that. And so Shigeru... Shigeru I'm sorry if my Japanese is terrible. I know it's terrible. Miyamoto. He was, he said in the one of his quotes, he goes, he wasn't my boss. He was a friend. And so Miyamoto and Iwata knew one another. Well, Iwata was over at a company called Hal. And that he was the uh, leader of that. And then he came over to succeed, to, to be the successor for the Nintendo CEO at the time, yep. to be able to kind of take over the reins for it. The, these men overseas who we never met now this is interesting to me because we never met these guys no i still have never met anybody who has ever worked for nintendo maybe josh has in some of his in wranglings and things yeah actually i have a couple of people okay so this company influenced an entire generation by making it fun to play games and making games that were difficult and challenging but you could figure them out so i think about the format of nintendo it had what's called a D-pad, it's a directional pad, so it looks like a cross. They had a select button, a start button, and an A and B button. That's it. And with that, yeah. that that's <laughs> it. And you could play hours and hours, and you never felt bored. One of the things I loved about what he talked about in this book is that he made games understandable that yes. people yep. wanted to play. And Miyamoto, who made Zelda and everything, um, he compliments him in this book. Iwata says that... I. People think he's really creative, and he is. He's also one of the most logical people I've ever met in my life. And he would just stop somebody in the middle of the work and say, here, play this. And he would watch them. And if something didn't yes. make sense, he went back to the drawing board so they could understand it because he knew he would never be able to touch each gamer to explain it. If you can pick up a game, plug it into a system, and turn it on, and with a controller and that figure it out, that's a pretty masterful design. Exactly. And that's the beauty of a lot of earlier games is that you didn't have to have this complicated tutorial thing. You could just pick it up and play. 
you had two buttons and four ways to go. That was it. And I think we've lost a lot of that simplicity. And to learn about the simplicity was the number one thing was make it fun. You know, make it easy and fun to play. Doesn't mean the game has to be easy. It just means it has to be easy to pick up and play. So the barrier entry was super low. And I think that kind of thing can be brought about to a lot of different things in life. Brian and I are doing that in our business too. Like we're trying to make it that it's very relatable, very easy for someone to pick it up, but it's also very hard to, not even hard, but they need to become very engaged in order to consume that content. So that's the kind of beauty of like learning these guys' process because in a way it's really kind of a lot like a lot of the processes that we want to change into, right, Brian? Yeah. I would encourage people to read this because you have to understand this was years before Silicon Valley became the land of Facebook oh, yeah. and all those other things. So like Nintendo, just a little history on Nintendo. Nintendo has been a toy company. And they were in like the 1800s formed. So they made like cards and dice and poker chips, (laughs) like things you wouldn't even think about and actual toys. And after the um, video game crash, so there was a video game crash in the early 80s, Nintendo basically brought video games back from the brink where they wouldn't have been things if, if they wouldn't have been around. So there's a lot of history there and a lot of really good things to learn about. And this book really goes into it. They they do a great job of, of making it conversational. These are quotes from him that have kind of been gathered. What I really got a sense of too was some of the the ways that a Japanese person will pattern their speech. Because I've seen things translated and I've, I've you know, uh, my son and I watch anime. I actually found out from a guy who teaches Japanese to English speaking students that it's actually anime, not anime. Right. So I'm trying to correct myself. So if you say, what's anime? What's anime? <laughs> you know, but hearing some of the speech patterns in those shows and then listening to, or reading this book and hearing how he speaks, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. It also makes sense too, thinking back to like how things were translated maybe in some of the instructions. I'm like, this makes sense. It's coming from an actual different part of the world over to the U.S. and we made sense of it. Like, that's pretty remarkable if you think about it. Like, you can communicate, like, you know, how many years does it take to learn a language or a culture or something? Right, right. But you can pick up a game and understand somebody. That's pretty remarkable. And it proves that we're really all kind of the same anyway, you know? Even though we might have a whole language and an ocean between us and it's like a whole different experience they grew up totally different than we did that when it comes down to it and they have video games they just want to have fun and they just wanted to play them and it was like it was a one-to-one ratio right like you pick it up you were playing it having fun the same thing they did it wasn't like i had to pick this up and then learn an entire new culture and spent half my life learning their language And then I might be able to understand this. And I think that's what makes this book really relatable, too, is that even though they had to translate from Japanese to English, obviously, it's really relatable to things that are happening today in everyone's life. Brian and I can't stress this enough. It's a must read, like for anybody. And I I don't even care if you don't like video games. It's a great read, even if you don't like video games. Yep. And if you're one of those leadership folks, one one portion of leadership thought that never really comes in are video game leaders. I want to just point this out. Like there's lots of bodies of work for leadership. And I see very little coming out of the gaming space, honestly, where there's thought leaders. This is absolutely when you talk about building a culture that is not about traditional hierarchy, talking about the economy of ideas, talking about 
letting people innovate and getting them on board. It's a great case study of a wonderful leader that most people in the West will probably never, they've never met him. They've known his influence. Right. And when you start to look at like how companies are structured, this is a great resource. Josh, I want to ask a question too for video game communities. So sure. you've been a part of video game communities for, I mean, a long time. Years, yeah. Tell me about, tell me about the community, about how they find well, how they find community, and it's, it could be around a franchise. It could be around a specific game. Um, Gears Gears Two is the one that kind of comes to mind for you. But tell me about the community that's fostered around something like this. Do you see something of how video game companies are building these things to make it a, a point of common ground? Okay, so now they are, and they've understood that this can make them money if they make a game and and they help build the community. But back in the day, like back when we were kids, our community of like Nintendo players was the kids we went to school with, right? And yeah. we didn't we didn't have the internet, so we would just be like, "Oh, who's playing Legend of Zelda? Oh, I am," and we would just start talking about it. That was our community. Well, now through the, the really through the beauty of the internet, we're able to create these communities online. So even if you only have one person in your hometown that plays this game, I can go find you know a thousand more. And so what I think these communities, like not communities, but these ga gaming companies are realizing is if they foster these communities, keep people engaged in their product, they're going to play it more. They're going to be happier about their purchase and they're going to recommend it to other people. And so in turn, that creates them money. So really upfront, it's an upfront cost, right? Like they're just doing it because they thought, oh, well, our game is great. We want everybody to know about our great game. But after a while, it becomes like a self-perpetuating machine. There's so many people that are just talking to each other that the game creator can just step away and just let this thing grow. And, and a great example of this is Minecraft. Minecraft was created by one guy in Sweden, I believe. And Mark, his name is Marcus Pearson. goes by Notch. He created this game, and it was in beta for the PC. And it just took off. And he was astounded and scared at how big it got. About 10 years after he made it, after he, what they were guessing was he made about 2 to $3 billion off this game, he sold it to Microsoft for $2 billion. Well, that'll pay for some things in your life. So, I mean, that. after he made $2 billion, he sold it for $2 billion. And it's still, like, one of the biggest gaming franchises in the world. What's, what's amazing to me with Minecraft, because my children both love Minecraft, my son especially, is that it's digital Legos. It's, it's, exact, really kind of fun. it's exactly what it is. <laughs> it looks simple, but the processes under the game are super complicated. See, that's something where I, I think about this book and I go, you know what? Like, there's so much complexity that goes into making a game. I don't, yeah. I, I can't, if like, I could walk into a room and I would be like the dumbest person in the room about how to make that game happen. If you talk about storyline stuff, I could probably contribute there. <laughs> but right. I'm talking about actually like all the different kinds of things you have to, consider and calculate to make this a cohesive experience my gosh what a mind-boggling task and that's what this book kind of is right it is the collection of small things that make something great and so that's what a game is it's a collection of a lot of small things that make something cool you know and fun and so like there's the person that does the story and there's the people that do the music and there's the people that do the gameplay and there's the developers that do this and that. There's the people that QA it, you know, quality assurance it and test it. 
that they don't program. They're all integral to the part of this. And so what this is saying is, you know, there's lots of small parts that add up to the whole, right? And that's a worthwhile exercise to get into, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it is. When one thing Awada said, which I loved, was how everybody contributed. And he recognized that brilliance in somebody. Yeah. He never just said like, no, just do it anyway. He really wanted them to own the idea. And he drew that out of people to give their best or figure out something like this isn't possible, but they made it possible. Yeah, because because he, he, first of all, didn't know how to make a video game. Really, I mean, he was a programmer, <laughs> but programmer from a long time ago. Like, he couldn't make a modern video game by himself, but he mm-hmm. could recognize the genius in other people and what they were thinking of. And so he's like, he would draw that out of them and make them basically confident enough to do it. That's the brilliance of leaders that sees the brilliance in other people and allow and gives them a way and basically removes obstacles so they can shine bright, that they can run free. There was a um, there's a musician that I know named Gordon Moat. Now he's uh, blind, and so he's played with uh, like the Gaither the Gaither group uh, for years in gospel and things like that. And monster player, he's got like the sixth sense when there was like this stop, and he doesn't have a chart. He can't see the chart, and he stopped dead cold. I'm going like this guy <laughs> has like some other type of sense going on. But there's a story that got relayed to me by one of the other musicians on this particular gig. They were out in the middle, I think it was Utah or something like that, and it was a completely flat place. And Gordon asked, is it really truly flat? They go, there's nothing here. There's no, there's no bushes. There's no scrub. It's completely flat. And Gordon took off running like a lightning bolt. He just had the time his life came back. He said, I've never done that before. He said, I've always had to be aware of the obstacles if I'm going to trip. He said, it was exhilarating. It was wonderful. And to hear that story warms my heart, first of all, because I like Gordon a lot. I also think about this particular story of Iwata where he removed obstacles to just let people run free. Yeah. And that's why I think people loved him as a leader. Yeah, because he let them be who they are. And that's the beauty, like a, a true leader is. A true leader, like Brian said, is somebody who makes it where you can just do what you're born to do, really, like you want to do. And you don't have to worry about, you know, your paycheck or is this going to be great? Because you know it is because you're doing it, right? You're doing the thing. And this person who's at the top or, you know, all those leaders along the way, if they're if they're doing their station correctly, helping you become that because they know that when you're fulfilled, when you're doing your best, when you're able to operate at the top of what you do, everybody benefits from that especially you. And when you have a, a situation like that, you get games like The Legend of Zelda. You get games like Pikmin. Or, <laughs> yeah. Those type of things that just yeah. bring joy to people's lives because people had joy in the process. Right, and it shows. So I think that's a great place to put a comma, huh, Brian? Let's do it. Uh, the name of the book, again, is called Ask Iwata, I-W-A-T-A, and it's edited by Hobonichi. It says, Words of Wisdom from Satoru Iwata, Nintendo's legendary CEO. I'm sure yeah, it's available anywhere it, you can buy a book, like on Amazon or elsewhere. Yeah, on Amazon, it's like eight bucks. So there's like no reason not to get it. We highly encourage you to read this book. For leadership folks, go find the book, read it. It's very easy to read. If you want to connect with the generation of gamers, this is a must read for you. Until next time, guys, gals, people, this is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum.